Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 169th edition of the Frank and Stan chat. And uh, for those watching on video, you'll notice that at the bottom of the screen, we have a guest. It's Mina Wood. Hello, Mina. Hi, Hi Mina. Hello. Good morning. I think Good this morning. is a return visit for you, isn't it? It is, yes. Because the, where were you last time we spoke? <clears throat> Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. And that's yeah. where I was. Yeah. Uh, I think you were out there for a while, weren't you? Yes, I was during COVID, actually, 19, uh, 1920. What am I talking about? <laughs> 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, we were out there for 10 months. Uh, we just couldn't get back. Couldn't get back. Flights were cancelled and there were huge issues here. So, yeah. yeah. But, um, well, so so j just explain to people who you are and how we know each other. Sure. Um, yes, so I was a former HMI colleague of Frank um, and we, you know, we worked together at Ofsted. Um and before that, I was um, a teacher in a secondary school. I then moved into further education and <clears throat> became principal of an adult college and worked in three large FE colleges. So I'm very familiar with um, schools and with FE, with further education. And then came and then joined Ofsted um, in 2002 left Ofsted in 2014 and basically went back into the school sector um, and finally became a head teacher or principal of an academy um, in the north of England. Um, subsequently, I left and I wrote a book called Secondary Curriculum Transformed, which um, <clears throat> was really um, uh, championing the cause of uh, having a curriculum that is actually fit for purpose. Um, <clears throat> that skills up and trains up young people, um, you know, in a way that actually means that they can follow the professions, the, the careers, the destinations they want to follow, rather than the current curriculum uh, that we have, which fails one third of our children at 16, and not including those who are excluded from school, because they're not deemed academic enough, and because of other reasons. So it's a it's a book that really um, creates a creates a, a case really for a, a radical change to our curriculum in this country, and moving towards a curriculum that's far more in line with some more enlightened international models. Yeah. And the other piece of work I've been doing is on the inspectorate. Um, I'm writing a chapter towards a book now, which is uh, looking at Ofsted and. And my chapter is very much around international inspection because I've worked, um, I am a registered inspector for the Emirates for, for Dubai. So I've seen a lot of very good practice in um, in, in that country. Um, and um, so I've done a lot of research in other countries. And um, what heartens me is, you know, there are there is some excellent practice out there. The, the issue I have, what disheartens me is, that despite all the talk around change, which we have at the moment with select committees and so on, um, I'm not sure there are many people listening and looking at what's out there and what we can use in our country. So that's me. So, so do you feel, um, I think we, we have submitted uh, an oral submission uh, um, yes, to the select committee inquiry. But do you, do you feel sort of fairly negative then that it may, uh, not wishing to go in a tailspin here, but that in effect, it, it probably, there was a lot of emphasis placed on the importance of this, but are you feeling less optimistic that it's going to lead to significant change now? 
I think the change that's needed is quite radical. And the issue here is that what's not looked at is the totality of the school improvement systems in this country. So I'm not even talking about Ofsted now. I'm talking about the accountability framework in the UK for schools and for maths. For, and that's very important, the multi-academy trusts. Because what you have is a fragmented landscape in this country. And Ofsted... <laughs> with all its different iterations of its frameworks, doesn't be, is not able now, and I think the cracks have very much come through and been shown that it can't meet the job of holding schools and maths accountable and allowing for that independent accountability because it's not triangulated. I mean, I can talk a little bit more about that because when you see models, uh, one of the things that struck me about the models that are happening in other countries where it really is effective is that you've got a triangulation, a multi-layered accountability framework that incorporates the government, that incorporates, you know, an, an inspectorate or a reviewing body, whatever they call it, and the school. And at the heart of that is the self-evaluation by the school that drives, you know, the, the process, which is then triangulated. And the support that comes back into the school comes via the government or the local body, you know, so it's always triangulated and there's always quality assurance at every level and accountability. So you won't find, you know, mm. an inspectorate or reviewing body now deciding they go in, do their bit, come out, write a report and then go away. It's actually held accountable because somebody has to pick up those pieces. And so there is a process in place that flows Sadly, in our country, what we have is an accountability framework that's totally centred genuinely on one person, which is the school head and the governing body. And if that and that then becomes a pass or fail, a bit like the exam system. And if that doesn't work, you know, if, if the person is not deemed to have passed the Ofsted, then what happens is the whole thing crumbles and there's a heavy, heavier reliance on external consultants who then come in. And I think that then doesn't work because they're not quality assured. They're not part of the accountability mm. framework. So you've then got, as you were saying, you know, the spin-offs that go on and no one is holding them accountable. So it, it is a very fractured um, and fragmented landscape that we have here. And then, as I said, the other layer is the mat and no one is holding them accountable. Yeah. So it is very multi-layered and in other countries they've taken account of that by having more of a centralized system which works you know and if we look at the oecd outcomes for these countries they're far better than the uk and the pisa outcomes and so on yeah, yeah. interesting stan i did some work for, for <clears throat> strategy um it was published this week where i looked at the 13 summary evaluations of mats that have been published over the last year <laughs> and uh Really interesting when you look at them, how superficial they are, really, because, um, first of all, they don't look at the financial position of the of the of the mat, you know, so it actually could be getting I mean, I know they have the annual um, audit, mm. but the uh, the the bar to, to prove that you are a going concern is very low, you know, um, so in effect, you've got enough to pay your bills for the next few months, really. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is that um, looking more closely at the um, outcomes of some of the individual academies in those mats. I saw one where um, there were four inadequates out of a mat of, a, I think, about 16 
where those schools have been in the trust for quite some time, I think in excess of four years. Mm. Um, and but the, the reading the evaluation report, you know, it, 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 it sings praises so much, you know, that you think, oh, hang on a minute. You know, uh, uh, another weakness is that in that evaluation process, they don't visit inadequate schools. So those the four schools that you would think the map was really putting their elbow to improve, you know, they don't go near them uh, on the basis that it's viewed that that gets in the way of their improvement. But I would have thought that those are the, those are just the schools that you need to go and visit to make sure there is some positive impact. So. It, it, yeah, I think the point here about Matt's evaluations and inspection, you know, what is there isn't really fit for purpose at all. No. You know, it's no. not really worth having. Um, but one, anyway. of the points, one of the points I made at the select committee was precisely that. It was around accountability for maths. And actually, the MP, Robin Walker, perked up at that point and um, said, you know, uh, yes, that would be a role for the DfE to decide how that works, because yeah, for me, this begs the role of the regional commissioners. Yes. You know, surely they should be doing what you're saying, Frank, you know, yeah. holding those mats to account. And that isn't happening. And the other thing they should be doing is triangulating the value for money. Because if you look at, you know, the um, the funding body that, you know, EFSC that goes in, does that funding review of schools um, and mats, um, that, but it's not triangulated with the school mm. improvement side of it, the accountability side. So unlike for FE, where you we when I used to inspect FE, you did have um, a finance um, person auditor who came in with you and gave you that value for money judgment, if you like, or told you about it. And then you were able to see, ah, does this marry up if I've got inadequate areas in this college, but actually they're spending, they've got huge amounts of surplus. And so what are they doing about those areas? You know, and it's that kind of professional judgment that you could arrive at uh, as, yeah. a, as a custard HMI, you know, around the FE sector. No, none of that exists now. So it's all gone, you know. So yeah. I think I, 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 the marketization of the sector is a real danger, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's always a danger, but I think, you know, the, the, sort of independence of mats away from then you know actually are they really being held to account by the regional directors um i'm not sure about that i really am not sure that 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 is actually working uh, and if it is working it's not working very quickly um but i think i also wrote a paper for um for schools week an article a few weeks ago which talked about they're needing to be uh, a, 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 an appointed and uh, elected in effect sort of person who was responding to or working with the the regional mayors city mayors to actually sort of make sure that everybody engaged in whatever form of education and skills in that community mm-hmm. actually were all pulling together mm-hmm. uh, because it's quite easy for an individual trust or whatever to go their own way and to say well I'm accountable to my board. I'm, you know, these are our children. These okay. attend our school. I know they may live in a particular part of the city, but actually our concern is this. And, and that therefore means that they don't have to play a, a coordinated game or role with others in, in the community to deliver what that community needs, you know. But you um, could get around that. Sorry, I just finished that. You could get on. around that if you had a framework which actually had something in there around, are you responding yes. to local market needs? You know, and again, I'll come back to FE. We used to have that. 
And that was something we used to have to look for when you went into FE colleges and adult, you know, training providers. That's not happening again. There is no joined up thinking no. between what's happening with the mats. You're absolutely right, Frank. You've got mats being set up for, you know, we want we want our mat to be purely around, I don't know, making children happy or mental. Yeah, well, yeah. Fine, I've got no issue around that. But, you know, how is it responding to developing the training and skills needs of the local economy and the wider economy, yeah. the global economy? You know, are you fitting children for the, for the world beyond, you know, I don't know. I was going to say Salford, but I won't. Stop. Stop. <laughs> well, for, us, for us, I mean, I've got a few months left in Blackpool. And actually, there is a massive plan to to use um, offshore wind and tide to develop um, green energy, yes. which could be stored on, the, on, on sites around the town yes. for digital storage facilities. So in effect, it's like the cloud. Yeah. Now, that's that's not an issue that perhaps Salford, you know, have, Salford haven't got the space to deliver that. Blackpool can. Yeah. And what we need is young people with a skill set that exactly. can actually, you know, enable them to stay within Blackpool, to enable them to get some of these jobs. But what's going to happen? We have such a digital divide in Blackpool. You know, we have too many kids that haven't got access to a digital device, don't have connection that actually kids elsewhere are going to rock up into those facilities and take the job. And we haven't broken the cycle of poverty at all. And there's been no real attempt to do it. uh, Anyway, in a tailspin. We mustn't get in the tailspin. The other thing with your accountability is technically the local authorities have account to have the right to, to hold maps to account but haven't got the people or the teeth to well, do it yeah yeah well I, and also i i chair an independent board paid for by the council but actually if a, if a ceo says to me oh well whatever i mean i have no power no no I, i've got a bit of influence got no money I can speak to the regional director, but if she doesn't want to do something about it, I mean, the way to hurt Matt's is through the funding formula, isn't it? That's basically how you get there. That's why I said in the beginning, you know, the funding has to be linked inextricably. It has a symbiotic relationship with school improvement or Matt improvement or accountability frameworks, let's put it that way. It is one strand of it. Money speaks, money talks, and that's where it should be, you know, but... That's the problem in this country because it's not there. You know, it's that is a missing link, and that's what happens in other countries where they they make it a part of that whole accountability framework, and it's multi-layered. And you know, Stan's point is a really good point. So I used to be an LA advisor, senior education advisor, and you know, the the issue was always, you know, how far can you actually? I used to work with the schools, but it was always about good practice and doing reviews and so on. But <clears throat> you couldn't do much more than that, really. No. You yeah. relied on Ofsted to come in and inspect the schools yes. or yeah. the mats, or well, they didn't inspect the mats, but the schools. So your role was very much a sort of facilitator of some kind, you know, which um, even that I think has probably gone now. Yeah. So, yeah. Go on, Stan. No, that was, that was as you're saying, my role when I was uh, in Wakefield, there was, I mean, fantastic relationships with the, the heads yeah. of the schools. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and that worked really well, but as for actually holding them to account, yeah. there wasn't the tools to do it. No, exactly. And even and though they were local some... authority schools, for me, they were local authority schools. Yeah. But, you know, but I think there needs that. to be somebody who's that bridging point. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whether I'd, And I think that person needs to be 
appointed not like uh, no disrespect to regional directors who who some who were sort of in effect dfe appointments and they've 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 transitioned into this regional director position but actually they're not they're appointed by you know as, as civil servants you know yeah. i i want to see an an, uh, an appointed person with all the people you know all the the significant parties in that appointment process so that there's a level of confidence about and independence of that person you know um but anyway let's move on stan what's called well I'm, it's this week, isn't it? We're, we're all offstead this week, but that's the front page of Scores Week this week because we've had an NEU report, which Mina was involved in, I think a little bit in advising, an IPPR report about Ofsted and Ofsted's annual report as well. And Stan, I think you've got something from the annual report. Yeah, I, I've, I've skimmed through the annual report. I've, I haven't read it all in detail, but but I, I'm... Obviously, I'm I'm very keen on early years. I'm a, an early years fan. I've got a lot of nurseries uh, in our organisation supports. Um, and looking through, I, I was hit by a graph that's on state of the nation overall effectiveness for state funded schools by phase at year end. And there's a pattern: uh, all schools, sixteen percent outstanding, seventy three percent good. Primary, 14%, 76. Secondary, 16%, 66. Alternative provision, 18, 68. So it's a pattern. Nursery, 62% outstanding, 35% good. Now, it doesn't fit. Yeah. Now, you know, I would have thought there'd have been a statement after that to say, you know, there's clearly an anomaly here uh, and we're, we're going to look into it. I don't want nursery schools bashed i don't want somebody going in and saying you cannot possibly be outstanding but i do wonder if it's about the credibility the expertise of inspectors going into nurseries who haven't got the background or haven't Mm -hmm. got that expertise to actually make sharp sharp judgments Mm -hmm. and so it becomes you know how how many stand how many um nurseries were deemed inadequate uh, it's, the percentage is one. I think there's only about. It's, it's no, how many uh, were pri- How many primary schools were deemed inadequate? Uh, two, two percent. And secondary, five percent. Mm. Yeah. There's uh, something didn't... with the framework. If I may just say, Stan, yeah, I think that's very interesting. The framework is what I said earlier on. I was saying the framework is a secondary accountability framework. Mm. It doesn't fit, does it? The primary and the early years sector. Therefore, if you've got inspectors going in, how they, you know, it's a square peg and round hole situation. Added to which, Stan, I think, you know, as we were saying earlier, I don't think you have enough early years inspectors around who can actually go in and really incisive insightful yep you know this is not good enough um i'll just give you one example i'm looking for it i'm not looking person i'm helping my daughter look for a nursery for for, for our first granddaughter and we went into a nursery and um you know one little thing struck me i would never put my granddaughter there why because of the negligence of staff with little babies and with toddlers you know this this little thing like that a a toddler walking around with a nappy and I'm not kidding I know this sounds really graphic but it's the kind of thing you would pick up on as an early years inspector 
which should have been changed. You know, she couldn't even walk. It was so wet or whatever. And when we pointed it out to the um, head of the nursery who was showing us around, she just sort of smiled and laughed and said, oh, yes, yeah, of course. And I thought, that's interesting, because she didn't mobilise any of her staff. She didn't do anything about it. And then there were various other incidents that I saw as we walked around, and I thought, no, there are three safeguarding incidents I've seen, you know, potential risks I've seen. There's there's an issue around how staff are deployed. You know, there were various things I was looking at and thinking about, you know, one little child who was such an intelligent child. You could see he was sitting on his own. Nobody was with him. He was ready to go to school and he was just sitting there on his own working. A member of staff was standing at the side, just looking at her phone. And I, as we walked into the room and then, of course, when she saw us, she put the phone away. Yeah. Things yeah. like that are such telltale signs. Yeah. And yet, and the number of uh, parents who told me that all they do in nurseries now is they give you they they make up a learning journal that the child has done this 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 today. I'm not I'm not rubbishing nurseries. There are obviously some excellent nurseries there, but they will send those nurseries uh, those journals home to the parent at the end of the day with the child. Now, that's the kind of thing that inspectors need to triangulate when they go into nurseries, yeah. you know, and yeah. they don't with parents. The the reports nursery schools. Yes, yeah, it's, ma- it's the maintained element of that, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah but I think the point that there is a... It's sorry, really our tail's done there again. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. It's really interesting, though, isn't it, that when you think about um, recruitment and retention in that sector, you know, both in maintained, the yeah. you know, these uh, state nurseries, but also in the private nurseries, it's really interesting that I would have thought there would be, and this is probably true of schools as well, mm. lots of reporting on how difficult it is to find your know, qualified staff, keeping staff, professional development of staff, all of that. Mm. You just simply do not read that. No. It's just, and, and what's oh. frustrating me is, is Amanda Spielman coming out with stuff, right, yesterday, that, and I read hundreds of these reports, I don't know where that evidence is. It's not in the reports I'm reading. So I understand that there's probably an evidence base, but if these are really important, I'm staggered that they're not reported on in the reports that are shared with parents. Well, I, I think one of the things in the report that did flag up a, an issue about evidence was was a whole thing on, on RE being being taught badly in, in all, the majority of schools. And I thought, I can't remember... Any school that I know of having RE as a deep dive. Well, so, Adrian Gray yeah, I know. did an FOI, didn't he? Good old Adrian. And, you know, when you have thought, I mean, it's just staggering, really, when you think what's going on in the world. If ever there was a time for RE to yes. be really prominent in Absolutely. our thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, going why, back to... why not say, of the schools yeah. where we did a deep dive, that raised a concern over yes. the quality of well, RE in schools. Of, not of, the, of the 200 schools where we did a deep dive in RE, yeah. 48% of them we had a concern about. That yeah. That's that's good reporting, isn't it? That's yeah. clear, precise reporting. But what they ended up with is every RE head now is thinking, every RE head of department is thinking, we're not doing well enough. Yeah. Even even if they weren't inspected, they're thinking, "Oh, it's not good enough. It's not good enough." You know. Yeah. I, I just I felt that there were things in in the report like that, like like, and in the interview on Woman's Hour, where where she insisted that the the framework was well supported within the sector. 
uh, and and schools were happy with it. And then it it was the um, the interviewer who had to say, yeah, but you you only had forty odd percent of schools reply to that. Yeah. And out of your forty odd, if you're taking a majority of that, mm. and you've not really got a high percentage of no. schools in in support. Stan, you were the, you, we were talking before, but you were the only person of the three of us because I think we I think Mina and I just get quite depressed when we listen to these sorts of radio <laughs> interviews. But you did listen to Woman's Hour, didn't you? Yesterday, yeah, I did. Can you just give us a feel as to how? Uh, I, I I think the headline is Schools Weeks got it right it was you're you're really not not listening to to what i'm saying and i'm listening to you but taking no notice <laughs> uh, it, it was uh, a definite you know it's not my fault somehow it's other people's fault she couldn't she she said there was um wasn't quite dark forces but there were there were people who were raising the anxiety of ofsted and when asked well is that head teachers uh no, I'm not. I'm not saying it is our teachers. Was well, it teachers? Who Who is it? It's, that, it's a Frankenstein chat. That's what's doing it. Yeah, yeah. She couldn't say that. She couldn't answer that, and and she just. I don't know. She just. It just came across as somebody who's happy that they've done what they've done and is not prepared to listen to to any mm. amount of criticism. Mm. And then there was the the uh, the bit on the Ruth Perry, which was just so insensitive. It, it was it defied. I, I noticed that uh, Edmund has, has tweeted afterwards to say some things that she said weren't actually true. Yeah, like the the fact that she contacted the school four times without a reply. Um, um, yeah, just for clarity, Edmund is uh, uh, a governor. Oh no, a parent at the school who we interviewed. He approached mm-hmm. us actually about coming on the chat. And it was really quite interesting, wasn't it? You can pick that up if you just search for it on on uh, YouTube. But it 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 really is. If you well, when you when you listen to that chat, you know it's really quite stark. Okay. Um, yeah. Also, the events and the impact on the school, let alone on the family. You know the 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 yeah, wider impact. Was of switch it. Frank into this was this was used as a pivot to undermine Ofsted, as if. Mm. You know, oh, they're still having to go to us because of, of this. When, just... There is an article um, that I picked up on <clears throat> in the Guardian, I think the Independent as well, um, which was the the headline was the uh, the fractured relationship between um, schools and parents, according to Amanda Spielman. Yeah. And you know, I just think to myself. This is now somebody who is grasping at straws and creating a smokescreen for the inadequacies of her institution. Because, yes, there are issues around behaviours in school and, you know, schools trying very hard to work with parents on, you know, on behaviours and good behaviours for children. I mean, a lot of that is down to some of the policies that schools are now following, which are too punitive and involve then children's behaviours getting worse. You know, so that's 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 just something else. But there is something around parents perhaps not respecting education as they used to or schools and teachers. However, having said all of that, the fact is the fractured relationship is between Ofsted and the schools. And that is pretty plain if it wasn't the case. Why is there a select committee inquiry? Why is there all this 
you know, to, to, uh, absolute torrent of media articles of, of people saying, you know, I, I, professionals in the sector either leaving or saying, you know, I don't agree with the way Ofsted's inspected me. There are so many um, stories around. So how, um, how does that work? How yeah, does just, that work? Just... And why is the HMCI um, going on Women's Hour and saying, hands up, it's not my fault, and then also uh, putting articles around in the newspapers, shooting down schools and parents, because actually none of it is her fault. Again, you know, it's a complete distraction, a red herring, and I, and I just think it has to stop. And, and again, I would question, where is the accountability of the HMCI? Shouldn't she be now rain? I'm going to say this, um, Frank and Stan, because I I feel strongly that this wouldn't happen in a lot of other countries where somebody who is a senior civil servant is allowed to make statements like that, which actually upset a lot of people, upset not just parents, upset schools, upset head teachers, upset maths, whosoever, and former HMIs and current HMIs. And I think that she should not be allowed to be so careless statements she makes she's a civil servant at the end of the day and I, and I and you know other civil servants are shot down when they make statements which are irres- irresponsible and i just feel there needs to be some more responsible reporting on the behalf of an institution uh, it, i'm just putting it there because i just yeah, think I, I agree with you there is I mean, integrity people... isn't it integrity yeah, is... moral integrity which i just can't see happening at all it's very sad it's not a good role model for mm. leaders in the education sector or and or particularly children because yeah. they're looking at these uh, you know young people are looking at it and thinking what's going on with our education system so i rest my case but i, <laughs> I do feel strongly yeah. that there needs to yeah. be some codes of conduct here you know now, the other thing i thought i mean one of the things she was talking about was a defense of the the uh, one word overall judgment oh, which God. again she she said she wasn't in her gift to change because the government departments rely on it so much that you'd have to change a hundred and something different. No. But in the report, the the there's a conflating of good and outstanding consistently through through the report and in the in the verbal reports. So we clearly don't need the differentiation between good and outstanding. So that's one gone. <laughs> We're almost then at pass and fail or as I would prefer to do, meets expectations or doesn't. Yeah. And, and as we've used that for, for children's reports, I don't see why we can't have an expectation on schools based on their achievement against national or against similar schools and say, yeah, well, this school meets, you know, meets that expectation. So we don't need to go any further than that. We don't need to say it surpasses it by more than the next school. We just need to say, does it does it meet the expectation? Is it working at a standard that, that the government are happy with? Yes. Right, and then you can do the scorecard bit to say, these are the areas of particular strength in the school. These are areas that the school are working on to get better. You know, And I, if you I, read some reports at the moment, Frank, sorry, Frank. No, go on. That first paragraph on most reports reads like that you you cannot read that first paragraph and guess what the overall judgment i I agree fully with you i mean so so many of those reports say it's a happy school children love coming here relationship with parents are brilliant Mm. and then you find it's ri yeah 
Um, and because somebody didn't know that the Vikings yeah. did the... <laughs> yeah. But the thing, let's just pick up on, because I think we're going to run out of time here now, but Mina, the point is also, I think just to re- support the point you're making here, mm-hmm. that the, the new chief inspector has come in and said, we need to do some listening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if everything was fine, that chief inspector, like all the others, because no one else came in, has come in and said, exactly. in my time, no one has said, no. you know what, I think we're going to have to do some listening. You know, yeah. they've come in, they've all had their own agenda. But yeah. actually, this listening thing is a telling statement exactly. about and undermines what Spielman said yesterday yeah. for me. Yeah, and, and, and I think you're that, absolutely that you right. hope, doesn't it, Frank? When somebody's saying that, it gives you hope that, 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 that you know, we, we are talking about change. There's a lot of pressure for change. And if somebody's saying, well, we're going to listen, and also I still hang on to the bit that he said in his interview about context of schools is important. Mm. And I think if, if we're listening and we're thinking about context, then maybe we've got a change that, that can recognise that schools shouldn't all be judged on exactly the same. Not, want, not wanting to spin this down, because this is probably going to be the last minute of the recording. He's never inspected. No. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there, you know. It's well, a bit, it, you know. I'm just so thinking Guardiola probably wouldn't have become the manager of Manchester City if he hadn't been a footballer. Frank, you're never too old to learn. He can go off on an inspection <laughs> and be shadowing somebody and start inspecting. I think that'd yeah. be brilliant. I was, I was a teaching head teacher. You know, yeah. I taught as a I, head teacher. That's and a good I point. Don't see, and, you know, but then I obviously started off my profession as a teacher, but he could easily go off and learn the ropes, couldn't yeah. he? And you could Fantastic. argue that he's not, he's not got a prejudice. He's not tarnished. Yeah, he's not tarnished by inspection. The existing process. Exactly. Because he he's not done so, it himself. So just to say that this is a conversation and Frank eats humble pie now, because <laughs> the two, my colleagues on the call, have undermined my position skillfully <laughs> and without hurting me professionally <laughs> i just think it's hope that's all yeah. maybe prove wrong but uh, I, I hope there's a well change. that's that's a good word to end with isn't it yeah yeah mina thank you so much for joining us today well, it's been a pleasure we'd love to have you back uh probably in, if we're still running in 2025 <laughs> but uh lovely to see you and uh for everybody we'll be back uh next week and uh yeah we've got a few more before christmas so uh And then rocked up all until June of 2024 with guests. So uh, looking forward to all of that. So take care. Have a good week. And we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye.